Isaiah and chapter 6. And verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne and high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one having six wings. With twain he covered his face, with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, woe is me, for I am undone. Because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon his, on my mouth and said, Lo, this has touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and whom will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. And he said, Go. Let us bow for a moment of prayer, please, and just you ask the Lord to speak to you now as we come together around his word. Father, we just ask now for your help. We pray, Lord, that you will come very near to every one of us in this meeting. And Lord, I stand before thee as an empty vessel. And Lord, I need your blessed Holy Spirit this morning to fill me to the uttermost. And I pray for the anointing of God to be upon your word this morning. And I pray, Lord, that you will take your scalpel and you will penetrate, Lord, into every one of our hearts, realizing this morning that we're dealing with the immortal, the invisible, the only wise God. And so, Father, we just pray now that you will undertake and your Son will get all of the glory. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, was a man that was mightily used by the hand of God. His ministry is among some of the richest and the sweetest and the greatest in all of the scriptures. And you know, I believe like Isaiah, like any man or woman that is to be used with God, there was a time in his life when he went through with the Lord. There was a time in this young man's life when he did business with God. There was a time in his life when he was done with lesser things. There was a time in his life when he got his eyes off everyone and everything around him and got serious with God. I believe the time in Isaiah's life is this time that we read about this morning. 
This portion of the Word of God in Isaiah chapter 6, if you cast your eye to verse 1, it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, it was in that year that Isaiah went through with God. It was in the year that the king of Judah died that Isaiah done business with God. Uzziah was one of the good kings of Judah. He came to the throne at 16 years of age. His name means to the Lord is my helper. And if you trace through the life of Uzziah, 2 Chronicles chapter 26, you'll discover time and time and time again it says that he was marvelously helped of the Lord. He was a great man. The Lord helped him militarily. He defeated the Philistines and the, he defeated the Arabians and the Ammonites. Victory after victory. A mighty man that the Lord helped. But not only was he mightily helped militarily, nationally, because it says that he restored unto Judah that which the enemy had taken. And you can see this young man at 16 years of age on the throne of Judah, looking after the people of God, and the Lord is helping him, opening doors for him, and blessing him militarily, nationally, and spiritually. It says that Uzziah did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. And you know, dear friends, that ought to be a challenge to every single one of us in this meeting this morning to set our goal every day of our life to do that which is right in the sight of the Lord. It says that he sought God in the days of Zechariah. And all the days that he sought the Lord, God caused him to prosper. And he was a mighty man. But sadly, like many of God's people, or some of them at least, this young man started well, but he ended badly. It says that he lifted up his heart unto pride. Uzziah, this mighty man, was used of the Lord. It says that he was marvelously helped until he became strong. But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to destruction. And this young man, everything fell into his hands. And he became intoxicated with pride. Here was a young man no longer needed God. Here was a young man on the throne that no, need, no longer needed the help of the Almighty. He started to work independently. He used God as a prop. And his heart was lifted up to destruction. And every single one of us in this meeting this morning, saved and sinner alike, down in the depths of every one of our hearts is that awful seed called pride. And it was the very thing that destroyed this young man. Because whenever he was older on the throne, what he did, he went into the temple with the censer to burn incense in the presence of God. He was going to do what only the priest was allowed to do. And he went into the temple and was going to go into the holy place, the place where the Shekinah glory of God is. And he went in with a, a censer in his hand. And he was never allowed to do that. And Azariah, the high priest, and 80 priests had to withstand him. 80 men had to withstand this young man. Wanted to do what God had not called him to do. 
And as he stood and remonstrated at the door of the temple with these 80 priests, there was a white dot began to grow on his forehead. And God smote him with leprosy. And there's one lesson that you and I as the people of God can learn from this. Don't play with God. Don't play with God. Here was a man who was trifling with the things of God. And God struck him with leprosy. He was dethroned. He'd spent the rest of his days in a leper colony. And he died. Now it was in the year that this young king Uzziah died. It was the year that this king died of leprosy that Isaiah got a mighty vision of of the Lord. And you know, dear friends, there's a challenge that has come to my heart and I'm going to share it with you this morning that in order for you and I as believers to go through with God, listen to this now, things in our life will have to die. Things in our life will have to die. You see, the scholars tell us that Uzziah and Isaiah were cousins. And I wonder, did the king have a hold on this young man of God? Hindered him from going through. And it wasn't until he died and God took him out of the road that Isaiah could go through with the Lord. Now I want to ask you a question this morning. And I want to ask you a question as a servant of God, preaching as a dying man to dying men, what would the thing in your life be this morning that would need to die? What would be your Uzziah? What area of your life this morning would be hindering you or I from going really through with God? What is it that stops the fire? What is it that stops the burden? What is it that holds back the passion for God? You see, it was in the year that King Uzziah died, he could say, I saw also the Lord. What is it that stops us from being godly? What is it that stops us from being holy and clean and pure? I don't know what it is in your life. It could be a multiple of things. Maybe you would say, oh, if I didn't have my job, I could be in touch with God. Not a bit of it. You say, well, if I didn't work as many hours and I didn't have as many children, oh, I'd be able to spend more hours with God, friends. Not a word of it. Not a word of it. It was the year this man died that Isaiah went through with God. And look at verse 1 again. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord. You remember Abraham. Whenever Abraham was called by the Lord out of the Ur of the Chaldees, God called him alone. He says, go alone. And he wanted to call him out of the place of destruction and wanted to bring him into blessing. And I want to tell every believer in this meeting this morning, God wants to bring you into blessing. God wants to bring you into deeper waters this morning. God wants to bring you out of the water to the ankles, to the water to the knees, from the water to the loins, to the water to swim in. And whenever Abraham went out of Ur of the Chaldees, he took his father with him by the name of Tireh. And they dwelt and they pitched their tent in a place called Haram. Halfway out and halfway in. And Abraham was hindered from going through with God 
because of his father. But it was whenever Tyre died that Abraham went into the blessing. You know those of us that are fathers this morning. The cry of our heart would be, Lord, don't let me do anything that will hinder my children from going through with God. Don't, Lord, let anything in my life that will hinder my children, my son or my daughter from getting on fire for God. You see, tire means to delay, to hold back. And maybe there's men in this meeting this morning and you've never been in a prayer meeting and you're, you're holding back. And your children look at you and say, well, my father doesn't go to the prayer meeting. I'll not need to go. But it was whenever Abraham's father died that he got into blessing. You remember Achan? Achan was a soldier in the, children, in the army of Israel. Whenever he went into Jericho, it was there he seen the gold and the Babylonian garment. And he went home and he buried it in the ground. And whenever Joshua and the children of Israel went against Ai, they were defeated. They were put to flight before the face of their enemy. And it says that Joshua got down in the morning before the Ark of the Covenant on his face in the ground. And he says, Lord, why hast thou caused our enemies to triumph over us? And the word that came from, to Joshua from the Lord was, Get thee up. Why liest thou in thy face? Israel has sinned. There was sin in the camp. The blessing stopped. And you know, dear friends, there's another lesson that you and I will learn from that. A good meeting just doesn't depend on the preacher, you know. It will not matter how many hours Stephen Riddle has been on his knees and praying during the week. If you and I as believers don't lay hold of God for these meetings, we can hinder the blessing. And here was Achan had hindered the victory. But I'll tell you, dear friends, it was whenever Achan died that Israel went on. Had to die. And the word from God to some soul in the meeting this morning, Sir, what is it in your life that needs to die? Needs to die. Because it was Uzziah had to die in the life of Isaiah. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe you're unequally yoked this morning. Maybe you're going to some woman or some man and they're not saved and you are. And the word of God says, be ye not unequally yoked, but you'll square your shoulders and you'll stick out your chin and you'll say, God, I'll do whatever I want. Well, I'll tell you, dear friends, the, God, the blessing of God will stop. Stop. Maybe it's not only a relationship. Maybe it's some ambition in your life. And you've set your sails for the high life and you're saved as a young man or woman and you want all the gold and silver that the world has to offer. Oh, I was thinking of the hymn this morning, Above thine own ambitions here, another voice is sounding clear. It is the call of God to thee. Leave all and follow me. Go through with God. Thy vows to pay, and all upon the altar lay. The Holy Ghost will do the rest and lead thee into God's very best. I'll tell you, maybe it's not a relationship, or maybe not an ambition, maybe it's self. You remember what Paul said? He said, I die daily. Lord, not what I want, 
Not my desires, Lord. Not my ambitions, Lord. Lord, I want that to decrease. I want you to increase. And he said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ that liveth in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. How did I? Whenever a corn of wheat, except a corn of wheat, fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. And you maybe say, Lord, why are you not using me? Lord, why are you not opening doors for me? Lord, why are you not blessing me the way I thought you would? Well, friend, let me ask you a question. Have you ever died? Have you ever died? you ever got on your knees before God and say, Lord, I'm willing to die? I don't care what men think of me anymore. I don't care, Lord, if my name is never heard. I don't care, Lord, if I'm a great preacher, a mighty evangelist, or a great missionary. I want to know the blessing of God in my life. Whenever a corn of wheat dies, it bringeth forth fruit. Maybe it's disobedience that needs to die. Maybe God has spoken to you about some area in your life, maybe getting baptized. Maybe going through with God. You've fought with it and remonstrated with it for years. And you haven't yielded and you've squared your shoulders and say, Lord, I don't want to do it. It'll have to die. It'll have to die. And I want to tell you this morning, I believe there's those in this meeting and God wants to get his hand upon you. God is looking for men and women in these days. He's not looking for angels, heaven's full of them. He's not looking for smart men or big men or educated men. He's just looking for men that are empty and open to God. He'll take you and set you on fire. He'll open doors that you thought would never be opened. Lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset and let us run with patience. Now cast your eye to verse 1 again. And I want you to see a few things from this chapter. There's the revelation of the Lord. He said, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord. Here was a young man, I believe he was disillusioned. Scholars tell us that most probably he went into the temple to seek the face of God. Here was a man that was hungry for God. Hungry for God. I wonder what you're hungry for this morning. Maybe as you sit in this meeting, you're just thinking about what you're going to do during the week. Maybe as you sit in the meeting, you're just thinking of what deals you're going to make or what cattle you're going to sell. I tell you, dear friend, here was a young man that went into the house of God. And he wanted to see the Lord. He was hungry for God. As a heart panteth for the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. He wanted more. Well, I'll tell you, dear friends, this morning, there's one thing Stephen Riddle can tell every one of you. I want more. I want more. I want to go through with God. I want to be a man that God owns from the very crown of my head to the sole of my foot. I want to be a man that's sold out to God. I want to go into the kingdom with an abundant entrance. I want to do something for God in this dark, deluded, deceptive day. I want to be a man that God can say, I want to use you. And I trust you the same this morning. 
And here was a man that was hungry. He wanted to get radical for God. I wonder, do you want to be radical? You know, it says in 1 Corinthians 15, of a man, it says that they were addicted to the ministry. We hear a lot about drug addicts, alcoholics. Who among us this morning is addicted to God? Addicted to God. Sold out to God. Oh, friends, that's my ambition. My ambition is to go through with God. Would you not come with me? Let us go together unto him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. Oh, friends, the hour is late. The night is dark. And God is looking for men. Jeremiah 29 and 13 says, Ye shall seek me, and ye shall find me, when ye search for me with all of your heart. Look at it again, verse 1. Near the king Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord, look at this, sitting upon a throne. Whenever young Isaiah went into the temple, this is what he saw. He saw the sovereignty of God. Here was a young man, and he saw the king of Judah dethroned. But in the year that Uzziah died, he got his eye onto another king that would never be dethroned. He saw the one that sits upon the circle of the earth in the dust of the clouds of his feet. Here was a young man that seen something of the sovereignty of the almighty hand of God, seen the power and the glory and the majesty sitting upon a throne. You know, I think this was a throne of power. I think the Lord was trying to tell young Uzziah or Isaiah in a time of national uncertainty and change that there was one in control. And I don't know what trial you're in this morning. I don't know where you are along the road of life. But I can tell you that God is on the throne this morning. Hallelujah. And whenever we're weak and whenever we're down and whenever we're defeated, my, the Lord, he's not running and he's not in confusion. He's sitting upon the throne. Hallelujah. Here was a young man of God. He saw the Lord sitting upon the throne. In control. The one to whom the nations are as a drop in the bucket. The one who created the stars and stretched the, he the heavens out as a tent to dwell in. My, I was thinking of the course this morning. My times are in thy hand. My God, I leave them there. My life, my soul, my all, I leave entirely to thy care. Maybe you're worried this morning. Maybe you've been lying in bed awake at night and you've been crying and saying, Lord, there's situations in my life I can't deal with. Oh, would to God that we would get our eyes upon the one on the throne this morning. The sovereignty of God, the Almighty, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He was in control whenever Daniel was in the lion's den. He was in control whenever Jonah was in the, 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 the belly of the whale. He was in control whenever David was out in the wilderness being hunted as a flea across the mountains. Oh, he's in control this morning. While our government are running back to and fro, I'm glad I'm not depending on the government this morning. I'm glad our eyes are on the one that's on the throne in control. You remember the story of William Cowper, a young man that was beaten with depression, tried to commit suicide. He called a cab and called him to take, told him to take him to London Bridge. He was going to jump off. Couldn't take it anymore. Maybe that's you this morning. 
And there was a fog that came down over London that night. And the cab driver went round and round, the horse and cart round and round, couldn't find London Bridge. And he told William Cowper, he said, Sir, I'm going to have to let you off. I can't find the way. And William Cowper got out of the cart and went to the first door. And he knocked the door and he found out he was standing at his own door. And at home that night, opened the door and got a knife and he jumped on. Couldn't take it anymore. Bent the knife. Couldn't die. Didn't die. Didn't die. And with tears coming out of his eyes shortly after that, he took his pen. And he penned those lovely words, God moves in mysterious ways. His wonders to perform. He plants his footstep on the sea and rides upon the storm. That's the one who I serve this morning. That's the one who I've got my trust in this morning. Not on me. Not on this church. Not on any man or politician. Mine eyes are on the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord. But not only is there the throne of power in the word of God. I'll do a few for you. There's a throne of grace. You'll remember in Hebrews chapter 4, let us therefore come on to the throne of grace, that ye may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. You'll find grace that saves. And if you're in this meeting this morning and you're not saved, it'll not matter to God or it doesn't matter to any man or woman. You could have committed enough sin to damn a thousand worlds. But I want to tell you, if you come as a hell-deserving sinner to the throne of grace, you'll find mercy and grace to help in the time of need. Oh, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I'm seen. If you're in this meeting and you're going down to hell, friends, I don't point you to me. I point you to the throne of grace this morning. Grace. Not only is there grace that saves, there's grace that sustains. You remember Paul with a thorn in the flesh. Three times he cried, Lord, would you not deliver me? And the word that came from heaven to Paul was, My grace is sufficient for thee. Some mother in the meeting this morning. And you're worried and you're weary and you're tired. Listen to it. God's grace is sufficient. Whenever Paul was out in the storm, a night and a day in the deep, and he was there and all hope was gone, I think God whispered in his ear and he says, Paul, my grace is still sufficient, you know. I think whenever Paul was out there and he went down to Rome, and down in the prison cell, lonely and damp and cold, and all men forsook him. I believe God whispered in his ear and said, Paul, my grace is still su sufficient. I think whenever he went out, and Nero put his head in the block, and for the last time, Paul looked around him and surveyed the men and women. I believe God whispered in his ear, Paul, my grace is still su sufficient. Oh, I tell you this morning, dear friends, there's a throne of grace. And the greater the problem and the greater the need, the greater the grace. It was Annie Johnson Flint said, His love has no limit. His grace has no measure. His power no boundary known unto men. For out of His infinite riches in Jesus, He giveth and giveth and giveth again. I don't care what trial you're in this morning. I want to tell you there's one on the throne and He's on the throne of power and He's on the throne of grace. And all of our problems and all of our trials are just wind in the, in the breath of a mighty God. What a throne. What a throne. But not only is it the throne of power and grace, let me do another one for you. There's the throne of David. You remember whenever the angel came to, to Mary. And the angel said to Mary, that, she, he said, Fear not, Mary, for thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son. 
And he shall be great and he shall be called the son of the highest. And he shall be called the son of the highest and his, the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David and he shall reign. And there's coming a day, dear friends, whenever this whole world is going to be our home no longer and the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time will be no more and the Lord's going to lift this church out of this old sin-cursed world. And seven years of tribulation are going to come across the world the like have never been seen. And after seven years of great tribulation, the heavens are going to open. There's going to be a man come out on a white steed. He's coming to conquer. He's coming down to the, to the field in the battle of Armageddon where all the nations gather together against him. And the Lord, one moment, not a gun, not a nuclear weapon. It says he shall consume his enemies with the sword of his mouth. And he'll set up a kingdom for 1,000 years. And he shall reign from shore to shore. Oh, what a man this morning. It'll be then, I tell you, dear friends, it'll be then that the wolf will lie with the leopard or with the lamb and the leopard will lie with the kid and the calf with the young lion and a child shall lead them. And men and women will beat their swords into plowshares and they'll take their spears and they'll beat them into pruning hooks and men shall learn war no more. And for a thousand years, the Son of God will sit upon the throne, the throne of David. And then there's another throne, a throne of judgment. And after the thousand year reign, this is what John said, I saw a great white throne and him that sat upon it from whose face the heavens and the earth fled away and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And every man was judged out of those things which are written in the books, according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in them. And death and hell gave up the dead which were in them. And every man was judged according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And I wonder this morning, friends, are you going to be there at the throne? The throne of judgment. Not only did the young prophet Isaiah see the Lord on the throne, verse 1, it says, sitting on a throne high and lifted up. This is him and his majesty and power. This is the one that the psalmist could say, though the Lord be high, yet hath he respect unto the lowly. Oh, I love that. The high and the lofty one who inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. And yet he condescends to men of low estate. Verse 1 again. It says, sitting upon a throne and high and lifted up on his train filled the temple. And a train on the back of a garment speaks of the glory. The longer the train on a garment, the more glory. And Isaiah said, the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The glory of the Lord. Oh, friends, I'm looking forward to the day in the lifeboat corner whenever I come through those gates and I come through those back doors and sit down and the glory of God comes among us. The glory of the Almighty. You know, that was the cry of Moses. Moses saw the manna. He saw the miracles. He saw the water from the rock. He saw the sun standing still. But Moses cried, Lord, show me your glory. The glory of God. That was the cry of Solomon whenever he dedicated the temple and all of its beauty, its gold and its splendor, and all its cherubims in the Ark of the Covenant was there. 
But it wasn't until the glory of God came into the house that the house was complete. You remember, of course, whenever Eli's daughter-in-law was dying, and she brought forth a child and she called him Ichabod. The glory of God has departed. And that could be written over many of our places this morning. The glory's gone. God's gone. No longer there. The glory has departed. It was in the days of Ezekiel that he saw the glory come up from the Ark of the Covenant. And then the glory went to the threshold of the door and then into the outer court. And then it says he was gone. Gone. I'll tell you, dear friends, that's why our meetings, there's not much attraction. That's why there's not many men coming in from the world. There's no glory. The glory of God draws men and women. The glory of God is infectious. The glory of God radiates from. Oh, I wonder this morning over many of our lives, do we have to write the glory's gone? Remember Samson? Samson wished not that the spirit had departed from him. And he kept on doing what he was always doing. It was just mechanical and formal, formal, oh, just routine, round and round, like a little guinea pig on a wheel. But he didn't know the glory had gone. Oh, I'm sure the cry of all of our hearts is, Lord, show me your glory. Show me your glory. But not only is there the revelation of the Lord here, there's the reverence of the angels here. Cast your eye to verse 2. And above it, that's above his train, stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings with twain, he covered his face with twain, he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. You can see these angelic beings, these creatures that have never sinned, in the presence of God, bowed in reverence and awe. And with two wings they covered their feet. That tells me that they were waiting. With two wings they were flying. That tells me they were working. And with two wings they covered their face. That tells me they were worshipping. Holy. Holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And you can see these beautiful beings in the presence of God and they veil their glory. Now, just listen to me. These creatures that have never sinned, they pulled their mighty awesome wings over their head and veiled their glory. They dare not even look upon their creator. Now, what I'm going to say this morning is something the Lord has burned in my heart. And I'm not going to say it to offend any man or woman. But you know, dear sisters, in the meeting this morning, that's why you cover your head. Because a woman's glory is her hair. The most beautiful thing about any woman is her hair. And that's why Paul in 1 Corinthians 11, he said, whenever a woman comes into the presence of God, cover your glory just so you don't take away from his glory. You see, the angels in heaven knew what it was whenever Lucifer, the son of the morning, the most beautiful being that was ever created, you know what he did? He threw off his garment. 
He said, I will be like the Most High. And men and women, the angels in heaven knew what it was whenever Lucifer rebelled. And he unveiled his glory in the presence of God. And the Lord had to put him out. And that's why, women, whenever you come into the presence of God, whenever you pray, Paul said, cover your glory. And I'll say this this morning, it's not that you're any less than a man, you know. People think, oh, well, the woman has to cover her head. That means the word of God says, I'm less, I'm inferior to a man. That's not unfair. My, whenever you watch a game of football there, there's a striker and there's a defender and a goalkeeper. They're all in the same team. But they've just got different roles to play. And let me tell you this, dear friends, there's nothing more sweet in my life whenever I get down in the morning and pray with my wife and she covers her glory. Something mighty about it. And I'm not saying that this morning to offend anyone. But you know, dear friends, I'm called by God to preach all the word, not some of it. And if you want to speak to me after, I'll sit down and talk to you. Maybe you've never heard of it before. Don't, don't you worry about it. Don't, don't you feel embarrassed this morning. But I want to tell you, dear friends, dear sisters in the meeting, you can do something that I can't do. You can worship God in a way that I can't. And don't miss it. Don't miss it. You see, here was angels in the presence of God. They were gripped with reverence and fear. And one of the great things that God has challenged me about in recent days is the fear of God. The fear of God. To have that awesome reverence and holiness whenever we come into His presence. The first time you'll get a reference to the fear of God in the life of Jacob, whenever he ran from his brother Esau. He went out and he went to his uncle Laban's and he went down and he laid his head on a stone one night. And he was lying there and God came. And he said, God is in this place and I knew it not. And it says that the fear of God came upon him. He was afraid. And he called the place Bethel. That's the house of God. You know, dear friends, I believe it's grieving to the Lord and grieving to the Spirit of God whenever we come into the house of God and talk about our cattle, talk about our work, talk about our money, talk about where we've been and talk about our holidays. We don't have our eye upon God. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged, and by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. I tell you, dear friends, this morning we need the fear of God again. That's what came, whenever God came to Lucifer, Satan, this is what he said about Job. Has thou considered my servant Job? There is none like him in all the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that fears God and eschews evil. And oh, I can tell you this, if we lived in the fear of God, we would live different. Indeed we would. We would do our books differently. We would organize our business differently. We would live our lives differently. The fear of God, we've got so familiar with Jesus. We've got so flippant with him. We've got so chummy with God that we've lost the reverence and awe of his majesty, glory, and power. Immortal and visible. The only wise God. 
We no longer tremble at his word. We no longer fear in his presence to open our mouth lest we say something out of touch. The fear of God. You never hear anybody saying, now that's a God-fearing man. You never hear that. Some of you older folk used to hear that. See that man? God-fearing. See that woman? She's God-fearing. And we need the fear of God again among us. God is a consuming fire. He is pure eyes and can behold evil and dare not even look upon iniquity. And at this very moment, he's looking down into every one of our hearts. The Almighty. But not only is there the vision or the revelation of the Lord, and not only is there the reverence of the angels, there's the reaction of the prophet. If you cast your eye to verse 5, it says, Then said I, Woe is me. And you can see Isaiah, this young man of God in the temple. He sees the Lord in his sovereignty. Sees him in his glory. Sees the angel in all of their reverence and beauty and power. And the man of God bows his head and he says, Woe is me, for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. You know, in chapter 3, 4, and 5, Isaiah gave a word to the children of Israel. He says, Woe unto you. Woe unto the drunkard. Woe unto them that build house unto house. Woe, 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 woe. And he was pointing the finger at every man and woman around him. Could see the faults and the flaws and inconsistencies in their life. But I'll tell you, whenever he got into the presence of God, into the unadulterated glory and majesty and power of God, he said, Lord, it's me. It's me. Woe is me, for I am undone. One translation puts it like this, Lord, I'm the problem. I'm the problem. And here this young man he was unveiled in the presence of God. He was exposed. You know, he was negative about everyone else. You know, dear friends, there's something the Lord has pointed out in my life. The people that are the most negative about everybody else, they're only trying to cover up their own problems. And they see the faults and the flaws and they'll gossip and they'll slander and they'll say, look what she did, look what he did, look what he didn't do. And all the time they're covering over just a facade. And Isaiah, I don't know, maybe that's what he was doing, but whenever he got into the presence of God, he said, Lord, forget about everyone else this morning. Lord, it's me. It's me, Lord. Lord, you're interested in my spirituality. Lord, you're interested in how much you can have of me. Lord, it's me. I'm the problem, Lord. I wonder what's the problem in your life this morning, as in mine. And you remember whenever Alan stood in the pulpit and told us about the stones in the pipe. Stones in the pipe. In Isaiah 62, Isaiah says, gather out the stones. Stones in the pipe. You remember, of course, whenever Peter in Luke chapter 5, whenever he met the Lord Jesus, he was out in the boat and he was fishing and the Lord told him to cast out his net. And he says, Lord, we've fished all night and have caught nothing. And the Lord says, cast out, launch out into the deep. Cast out your nets. And he let down his net, and you'll remember they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and the nets break, and the two ships began to sink. And whenever Peter came to shore, he came to the Lord, and he fell at his feet, and he said, Depart from me, O Lord, for I am a sinful man. 
I tell you, dear friends, that's where you and I need to get real with one another. Open up before God. Pull the curtains, Lord. Bring it out into the light, Lord. What do you see in me? Paul said, I am a wretched man. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me? And Isaiah knew his problem. Isaiah didn't have to get on the ground before the Lord and say, Lord, you show me my problem. Isaiah didn't have to fast for three or four days and say, Lord, you show me. He said, woe is me, for I am undone. For I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the Lord, the King of hosts. It was his lips. Now I am going to come close. I wonder what you use your lips for. I wonder do you use your lips that God has given you to praise him, to slander other people? I wonder do you use your lips that God has given you to pray and to praise and cry? Do you use them to slander other people? Tell lies about them. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is in vain. For the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. For all kinds of beasts and of birds and of serpents and of fish in the sea hath man tamed, but the tongue can no man tame. It's full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even our Father, and therewith curse we men who are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. I wonder, is there a man or a woman in this assembly this morning? And you know all about ringing about the elders. Oh, you do. Oh, and you like slandering the wives of the elders. You do. You love it. You love ridiculing them. Look what they've done now. Look what they didn't do. The Lord Jesus said this, that you'll give account of every idle word that comes out of your mouth. And the man or woman that touches the apple of God's eye touches the Lord. Because whenever Miriam began to murmur about her brother Moses, God smote her with leprosy. And I wonder this morning if God had the, the power to smite you with leprosy. Would you get it? Would I get it? Because every word is recorded in heaven. Every word. And there's no use here me coming to a prayer meeting. Let me tell you. If you're going to stand and pray, Lord, thank you for your goodness, Lord. Thank you for your blessing. And then go out of those doors and slander the people of God. These things ought not to be so. The fear of God. Fear of God. The fear of God is to hate evil, pride, arrogancy, a forward mouth, and the evil way. And whenever a man bridles his whole tongue, this man is perfect. Tongue. But you know, dear friends, this morning, what about Judas? Judas' problem wasn't his tongue. 
Judas's problem was his hand. Give me, give me, give me. It says that Judas was a thief because he had to buy. And every now and again he'd drop a wee coin in. Hungry for the money. The love of money is the root of all evil. And Isaiah's lips was his problem and Judas's hands was his problem. But Samson, Samson's problems was his eyes. Samson, the mighty man that carried the gates of Gath over 40 ton, over 50 mile on his shoulder. Samson, the mighty man that took the jawbone of an ass and slew over a thousand Philistines. It says that Samson saw a woman down in Timnath. She was a Philistine. And he went down to her. Got involved in sin. And then on over it says, And Samson saw an harlot, a prostitute, called Delilah, and he went down. His eyes got him into trouble. Is it any but wonder the Philistines put them out? Whenever they bound them and led them away. And I wonder, is there a man in this meeting this morning? I touched on it the other week. And your eyes are the problem. They are. And you can't break it. Maybe there's a woman and your problem's your lips. Maybe there's someone here and your problem's your hands. He that hath clean hands. And a pure heart. And has not lifted up a soul under vanity. He and he alone shall receive the blessing of the Lord. It'll not matter how long you pray. It'll not matter how many verses of the Bible you read today. Clean hands, Lord. Pure heart, covered glory, clean lips. Woe is me, for I am undone. That was his confession. But friends, there's his cleansing. If I had to stop there this morning, every single one of us would be, it would be over. If thou, Lord, should mark iniquity, who would stand? But there is forgiveness with thee, that thou mayest be feared. Verse 6, cast your eye to it quickly. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from the tongs of the altar, and laid it upon my mouth. You know the angel touched the problem. He didn't have to touch Isaiah's hands. He didn't have to touch Isaiah's lips because they weren't his problem. He touched the lips. He touched his lips. He didn't touch his eyes. An angel came with the, the live coal from off the altar and it says laid them upon his lips. And that coal came from the altar where the blood was. And I want to tell you, friend, if you're involved in gossip or slander or pornography, if you're involved in theft and all the rest, I don't know what it is. But I want to tell you this morning from a heart that's overflowing, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. The dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day, and there may I, though vile as he, wash all my sins away. Dear dying lamb, thy precious blood shall never lose its power till all the ransomed church of God be saved to sin no more. I want to tell you, friends, there's victory in Jesus. We sing it. 
Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. You got it this morning? You living in the good of it? Well, I'll tell you, Isaiah went in. He saw him sitting on the throne, power, glory. He says, woe is me, Lord. I'm a man of unclean lips, but thank God for the blood. The Word of God says if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Oh, I want to tell you this morning, thank God for the blood. The blood and what we uncover, the blood will cover. You see that word in verse Chapter 7 there, it says, Thy iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. Seventy-two times in your Bible, that word purge is the word atonement. And you know what the word atonement means? To be at one with. And I don't care this morning what sin you're involved in. I don't care if you're the biggest gossip in Ireland, or the biggest thief in Tyrone. I want to tell you this morning, dear child of God, you can leave this house this morning and be at one with him. All because of the precious blood. And he'll give you victory over your sin. Psalmist David says, Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be white as snow. I'm finished now. Listen to this. There's not only the prophet's confession and the prophet's cleansing. There's the prophet's commission. Verse 8 says, And I heard the voice of the Lord. He didn't hear it until he was clean. Do you ever wonder why God's not speaking to you? Do you ever wonder why you get down and the words dry? Do you ever wonder why, Lord, you're speaking to others and others can read the word and they're excited and every time it goes, it's just a dry word. Not hearing the voice. Not hearing the voice of the Savior. It was only whenever Isaiah was clean, he heard the voice. And he says, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and whom will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. Friend, let me tell you this morning. God has saved you for a purpose. God hasn't saved you just to rest in a flurry bed of ease and then go to heaven and play a harp. God has got something for you to do. And you can serve him. And he's asking this morning in the Lifeboat Fellowship, who will go for me? Who will I send? And I wonder this morning, would you be in the place and say, Lord, it's me, cleanse me, wash me. And then say, Lord, send me. Here am I, send me, O Lord. And you know Isaiah's prophet, this young man went into a new gear. The first five chapters, whoa, 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 whoa. Chapter 7, he, he opened his mouth and he started to speak about the Lord. He said, a virgin shall conceive and bear a child, and he should be called Emmanuel, God with us. Isaiah 9, he should be called Wonderful Counselor of the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Isaiah 53, he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes were healed. And this young man went on with God. 
He spoke about the virgin birth. He spoke about his perfect life. He spoke about his sacrificial death. He spoke about his glorious return. You know why? He was honest with God. Opened his heart and says, Lord, I'm the problem. Will you cleanse me? And will you send me? Now, I've unleashed my heart this morning. I wonder, are you going to say, Lord, send me? Send me to a dying world, Lord. Send me to the drug addicts and the prostitutes. Send me to the dear Roman Catholic people to tell them of a Savior who died and rose again. Send me to the world, Lord, like Amy Carmichael. Oh, give me a love that leads away, a faith that nothing can dismay. Oh, give me a love for souls, a hope no, no disappointment tire, a passion that will burn like fire. Let me not sink to be a clod. Make me thy fuel, flame of God. Is that your desire this morning? Maybe you say, oh, it's a wee bit radical. Oh, I don't really go for that. And you're just going to coast through life. And then death will come. The judgment seat of Christ will come. And you'll stand before the Lord with a bucket of ashes, wood, hay, and stubble, and say, Lord, that's all it is for you. Oh, friend, would you not come with me? Would you not say this morning, Lord, here am I, it's me. Cleanse me, wash me, send me. Let us go as a mighty band of men and women to a dying world. It only took 12 men to turn the world upside down. There's maybe a good few of us here this morning. Let us turn Ireland back to God. Let us pray.